This month we're in family reset. I want you to come away with me to 1 John, the third chapter. 1 John. Not St. John, but 1 John. Not 2 John, but 1 John. Not 3 John, but 1 John. There's a lot of Johns in the Bible. Not John the Baptist, but 1 John. It's really great to be able to talk about family because everybody in here can identify with family. Everybody in here, some way, somehow, is tied to a particular family. And I'm one that really, I'm big on family. I thank God for my family, for my biological family, for my spiritual family, my church family. Hallelujah. I believe that we're in the family of God. So today I want to talk about resetting love in the family. Say that with me, resetting love in the family. Each of us should redouble our efforts to ensure that our families are all that they should be. Husbands and wives have a God-given obligation to love one another and to submit to one another for the glory of God. First John, third chapter, I'll be reading out of King James Version. It says, in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Did, it, did I hear that right? Yes. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. We need to check ourselves if we don't love our brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Yeah, we heard that before. Now, not, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, that was back in Genesis, right? And slew his brother, he killed him. And wherefore slew he him? Because, why did he do it? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just pause here for a minute and tell you that because you're trying to do right, there's somebody that hates you. For no other reason, he hated his brother because the brother was trying to do right. Would you like me if I was doing wrong? Families generally begin in love. Do you agree with that? A man and a woman fall in love. They get married. And out of their love come children. And in the beginning, God established the family as the first of all human relationships. From that family, God built society. The family is still the foundational unit of society. In fact, no church, no community, no a nation is any stronger than the family that make it up. 
If you have strong families, you will have a strong society. The problem is how to keep this love alive and growing for love requires constant attention. I want you to mark that. I want you to write that down. Love requires constant attention. Amen. And uh, I'm going to say this to, to my, my media. Make sure that it's a, the IMAG. IMAG, okay? As I said, for each of us, each of us should redouble our efforts to ensure that our families are all that they should be. And husbands and wives have a God-given obligation to love one another and to submit to one another for the glory of God. Parents have a God-given obligation to create a home that allows their children to become all they have been designed by the Lord to be. So we're going to discuss this morning uh, three uh, subheadings. That's what we're going to do. We're going to discuss uh, the expectation of love in the family, uh, the expedition of love in the family, and the evaluation of love in the family. We're going to discuss those three things, then we're going to go home. First, the expectation of love in the family. Say that with me, expectation. expectation. All right. So since the family is to live together in unity and oneness for the, for the good of all, this is what I want you to know. It should be up on the screen right here. Love must be present at all times. You got it? Where there is no love, there can be a family. And there is, if there is, it cannot be a successful, progressing, and profiting family. So it could be a family, but if no love is in there, it won't progress. It will not be the family that you want it to be. If you want that family to be like a family that you desire to have, it must have love in it. So the most important thing we can do to nourish the love in our families is to live the first great commandment. And some of you probably know what it is, but put it up on the screen, Matthew 22 and 37. Look what it says. Amen. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with some of thine heart. I just want to make sure you're awake. And with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Is that right? Now he said you should do the Lord just like that. So our Heavenly Father is the source of all truth and all love. All truth and all love. So if we learn how to love Him, we can love our families. Because by loving Him, we draw close to Him and become more like Him. And as that happens, we receive from him the knowledge and the power to love each family member to, be, to better nourish their love and to meet the daily challenges in our homes. So this is what he taught us in 1 John 4 and 8. Would you put that up there? The Savior taught us that he said, he that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. 
I saw a sign on the billboard said, love is love. No, that's not correct. Because that's those people that's trying to be politically correct. That's those people that's trying to push their agenda. That's talking about love is love. Now, love can't be love because you don't redefine love. But when you say God is love, you can't redefine that. <laughs> Just because you feel a certain way, that don't mean that love. Well, I feel that I love them. But you, your feelings are wrong. And everybody in here know that feelings change. But let's state what's true. Let's state what's a fact, Jack. That is God is love. So if we love God, we gradually, he gradually teaches us and gives us the power to love as he loves. So the Savior defines uh, the second great commandment as thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 39. Right? You, you, got, you got the notes there, right? Yes. All right. You, you downloaded the app, right? Okay, you follow me. Okay, so I can go faster, right? So our closest uh, neighbors are the members of our own families. And yet we sometimes fail to treat them with the same courtesy and kindness that we grant to strangers. I've seen folk, they treat strangers better than they do their, their own people. You ain't got to say amen. And so the family has been under attack ever since Satan first taunted Adam and Eve. He has not changed when it comes to the family. So today each must guard against the hazard of contention in the family and pursue love according to the purpose of God. Because the enemy attacks families every day. You know why? Because the home is the foundation of learning and love. That's why he attacks the home every day. And no matter how long you've been married, get check this out, he will still attack you even in your old age. It's grandparents' day. The enemy will attack you even in your old age. So you got to be sold out, tuned in. I mean, you got to be you got to be thoroughly mixed and set like cement that you're not going to let the enemy overpower you or move you. So here, parents, uh, help children overcome the natural tendencies to be selfish that is rooted in everyone. And to put on love, which is patterned after Christ. So showing love for our parents is also important to nourishing love in our families. We cannot expect our children to love and respect us if we do not show them that we love and respect our own parents. You want your children to respect you and love you when you don't even respect and love your own parents. So loving our parents is necessary not only in the nurturing family love and unity, but in loving God. So number two, the expedition of, 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 uh, uh, of love in the family. 
Love is fully demonstrated in the family when each member fulfills their God-given responsibility faithfully in the home. And since every family consists majorly, uh, majorly of uh, the parents and the children, it is necessary to consider the responsibilities given by God to each family group. So there's a responsibility for the children, there's a responsibility for the parents. So first of all, let's talk about the responsibility of the children. First thing we got to understand is you got, you got to have obedience to your parents. You got to learn how to obey your parents. Amen? Children are told to obey their parents. Isn't that right? In the Bible, right? So this word means to submit to. That's what obedience means. To comply with, to heed, and to follow directions and instructions. This means that a child is to listen to the voice of his or her parents intently, and they are to respond to what they hear with perfect submission. They are to do as they are told. And don't, don't shout me down until I finish. This obedience, listen to me, in the home lays the foundation for obedience throughout life. And as children learn to obey their parents, they are setting the stage for obedience throughout their life. They are learning to obey the other voices of authority, school, government, or whatever, their teachers and everybody else that will become part of their lives later on. Ultimately, they are learning to walk in obedience to the Lord when they walk in obedience to their parents. Your first test is your parents so that my God, when you, and when you have to obey God, whom you cannot see, you already got obedience down in you. So when the commands of a parent contradict the clear teachings of the Bible, the child, just like anyone else, has an obligation to put the Lord and his will first. That's why it's important that your children learn what God's will is and you learn what God's will is. So when one of y'all get off track, the other will remain on track. They won't know if you don't teach them. They won't know if you don't bring them to Bible study. They won't know if you don't bring them to children's church. They won't know if you don't have God uh, in their life and you're teaching it on a day-to-day -day basis. You're teaching it in the home. You're teaching it when you're driving alone. They won't know, but they must be taught. So that when you... When you're not around, when they're not in your presence, they can still obey God when you're not there. Let me know when I'm teaching good. Of course, this uh, truth runs through every area of life. No parent, no spouse, no authority figure in our lives has the right to command us to do something illegal, immoral, or that contradicts the word of God. Amen. And what if they all track? They don't have that right to tell us to do something immoral or, 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 or illegal. We are to always place God and his will ahead of the will of others. I don't care what the will of the nation is, the will of whoever is. We don't put that over the will of God. 
Well, my husband wants me to jump off this bridge. You tell him to jump first, and then we'll think about it. He won't know that you jumped. <laughs> or did not jump. <laughs> Honey, lead by example. Show me how you jump. What's wrong with y'all? Should not tell you to do something that you know go against God. Even Satan told, told Jesus, jump on over here. You know the angels will bear you up. Not only that, children need to obey their parents, but honoring the parents. Children are also told to honor their parents. The word honor means to respect, to reveal, to hold in high regard. Now, this speaks about a child's attitude toward uh, what his parents tell him to do, him or her to do. How far have we gone from this? This is Grandparents' Day. And man, when, when, I was, when I was, my grandparents were living, man, you had so much reverence. And I mean, they'd be old in their aching 80s and everything. But boy, when they say something, boy, you jump like you're a soldier. Because they had so much reverence. And when they wanted to whip you, they'd call you over there. Because they can't walk over there to get you. And guess what? We came to them. They couldn't run us down, but we had so much reverence. We can't come over here, boy, so I can maul your head. Yeah, ma'am. That's reverence. But what do we have today? A wicked child may obey the voice of his parents, but secretly despise them in his heart. He may obey outwardly, but while he is carrying out their orders, he may be talking about them, cursing them or talking back uh, under his breath. That is the wrong attitude, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you know, on Wednesday nights, Bible study, I hope you all get your books because this man, it is awesome. Wednesday night is awesome. You got, you got to be in on this. Wednesday night, we learned that there is a difference between cursing and profanity. What? Tell me more. Okay, I will. I put the definition down for you. This is what we learned uh, in, uh, well, before I talk about the definition. Uh, a week or two ago, we was sitting down at the table, and EJ was, you know, playing. He called his friends, and they'd be talking about something or whatever like that. And uh, he said, well, you know, me and my friends, we'd be talking, and uh, we don't be cursing or nothing like that. He's six, right? We, all of us stopped what we were doing. The mom, his mom, uh, my, my wife and I, we stopped saying, what? <laughs> what? Y'all don't be cursing. EJ, what you know about cursing? And he sat there, and he looked at all of us. Y'all the adults, y'all should know what cursing is. <laughs> I got all these grown people here, y'all don't know what cursing is. 
We were like, EJ, uh-uh, we know what cursing is. You tell us what cursing is. And he said, y'all know, you know, calling people stupid and out of their name and belittling them and stuff like that. We said, oh. But here's the thing. Before we got to the lesson this Wednesday night, EJ was more right than what we were thinking. Out of the mouth of babes. We learned that cursing and profanity is two different things. EJ was trying to tell us, uh, tell our knuckleheads that we, we, that we were, that, that, that's what cursing is. So, let me give you the definition. Cursing is simply any lies, negative words, statements, or comments we make with our mouths regarding other people. Now, profanity is when we use vile, profane words of expression regarding someone. So a lot of us been cursing and didn't know it. Because EJ said, Dr. EJ said, that you shouldn't be putting people down and calling them stupid and calling them out of their name when they're not that person. Well, according to the definition that we learn about cursing, that's using negative words, hello, negative statements, Lying about people, making comments that we should not make, you are cursing that person. See, what we were thinking as adults, we were thinking that they were using profanity. <laughs> I ain't going to go no further with that. You got to come to Wednesday night. I ain't going to go no further with that. You come to Wednesday night, you hear what we got to say. So children should have great respect for their parents. They should be careful not to backtalk their parents. Now, I know some of the kids don't want to hear this right now. They should never run their parents down with their friends. They should respect their parents, their grandparents, just as they would the Lord, even after they have grown up and married. You should still Give them that respect that's due. Again, when children learn to respect their parents in the home, they grow up with a natural respect for other people. Children who honor their parents have little trouble honoring the Lord. Other authority figures or other people, they don't have that problem. A child, however, who will disrespect his parents will usually have a little respect for others. This fact is, is plain to see as our world has become increasingly filled with rude, insensitive, self-centered people. You got all kind of folk that don't have no respect for other people because they don't have no respect for themselves. And so God's promise to the obedient children is that they will enjoy improved quality of life. That it may be well with thee, the Bible says. And improved quantity of life that thou mayest live long on the earth. The Lord will bless that, that child who honors his parents. And so get this, children are not told to obey. Pay uh, and honor so that they might please their parents. Get this now. I know you think that that was, uh, and it may be a little bit part, but that's not the reason. They are told to do so because it pleases the Lord. God says pleases him. When you obey your parents, you honor your parents. That pleases him. 
And that's the main reason. So you, you, you are to do this not in an effort to please the folks, but in effort to please the Heavenly Father. And when, when you are first thought, your first thought is living a life that is pleasing and honor to the Lord, your obedience to and honor of your parents will be an automatic outflow. When God is uh, your first parent and you obey and honor him, you will have no trouble obeying and honor your father and mother in the home. And that's why, parents, you should push God in their lives. Because that teaching is going to come back and it's going to help them to live in this life. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from the teaching that you put down in him. So responsibilities to the parent. There are two side, two-sided responsibilities of the parent that would demonstrate their love for the children. They are not to provoke and they are to bring up. We are not to provoke and we are to bring them up. Parents are told to prov uh, provoke not your children to wrath. You don't provoke them to extreme anger. Huh? This phrase refers to a pattern of treatment that builds up resentment in the child. Parents are to avoid causing their children to brood with anger. And when children are provoked to wrath, they may even act this anger out in an open hostility to the parents and other authority figures. They'll do it in the open because they don't even care. Why? Because you push them to that. Anytime you have a child that will curse his mama out in front of everybody in public, something has gone wrong. Anytime a young man gets so grown that he put his fist up to try to fight his daddy, something has gone wrong. You have lost all respect. Are you hearing me? And so how does a parent provoke a child to rap? There are many ways. I'm going to tell you how, how, to, how to a parent Provoke his child to rev. Listen to this. Number one, being overprotective. Say that with me, overprotective. Often parents will refuse to allow their children to grow up and make decisions equal to their age and maturity. Young people resent being treated like they are more immature than they actually are. So that's the first way that you can cause your child to rev. Then preferential treatment, number two. Comparing one child with, uh, 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 with another is always the wrong thing to do. Look at the problem that caused in, in the lives of Isaac and Ishmael and Jacob and Esau. The problems that begin then are still playing out today where you have one, the, the father and the mother, you, one like this son, the other one like the other son. One promote this son, the other one promote the other son. And you can place much of the blame on at the feet of their uh, uh, respective parents to, for the way that they turned out. See, a lot of parents don't want to take the blame for how their children turned out. See, you got to do your part. Amen. Hallelujah. They didn't ask to be here. 
you were the one that having fun one night. You weren't thinking about no seed coming out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Some of us perhaps wasn't even married. You just getting your freak on. What, what y'all looking at? I know you saved now. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't want to talk like that, but you ain't always been saved. Why can't I be real when the Bible is real? Absalom got on the top of the house and did had sex with all his daddy's uh, uh, wives. The Bible is real. It, talk, it talks about incest. It talks about prostitution. It talks about all kinds of stuff. Don't you act like the Bible is not, that everything in there is not good what man did, but he's being truthful to tell you how man had fallen. And what he's doing, he's trying to tell you, don't go that way. David, who was a man after God's own heart, Huh? Took a man's wife and then had the man killed. The Bible is truthful. You just don't like the truth. That's the problem. Then you get older and be like, ooh, I, I can't stand all that talk. Read the Bible and see if you can't stand that. Go back and read Hosea and Gomer. That'll make you shut your mouth right there. I know about commitment. I'm committed to my wife. Okay, go back. Go read Hosea. See if you, if you was in his place, see how much you could stay committed. And the whole church gets quiet. Number three, way that you can provoke them to wrath is over-expectation. Say it with me, over-expectation. See, children who are always under pressure to achieve more, bigger, and greater things can become resentful. Not every child is a brilliant student. They have their built-in abilities, and we should let them be who God designed them to be. I ain't talking about sin. I ain't talking about this stuff that they talk about. That's right, Bishop. We should let them be who they want to be. No, I didn't say that. I said we should let them be who God designed them to be. Well, he's seven years old and he want to get a sex change. God didn't design him to be there. God didn't make no mistake. Don't you get that twisted. Yeah, I agree with you. No, you don't agree with nothing. I say who God designed them to be. Number four, discouraging words. Uh-oh. Children resent criticism and nagging. No child should ever hear, you are no good. You will never amount to anything. Parents should seek to find an area where the child excels and find a way to compliment them on their achievements. 
children need approval and encouragement far more than they need criticism and correction. Whatever you can find to encourage them on, you need to be trying to encourage them. Look like we try to find the thing we can criticize them on. We can find the thing that we can correct them on. They can make straight A's and make a, a you know, a, 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 a 89, a B plus, and then you go crazy. Now you see it all them other good grades. Now see, come here, let me talk to you about this 89. But then I did the best I could. Yeah, you didn't do it. It wasn't good enough. I ain't never made no 89. Well, daddy, that's you. Your head bigger than mine. <laughs> All right, no, no, just don't say that. Hallelujah. All right, discouraging words. Then number five, hostile environment. Children should feel loved and secure in their families. They should feel like they are a part of the home and that the parents are happy and thankful to have them there. Some children, they don't even like being at their own house. They feel like they're a prisoner in their own home. They never get anything encouraging come their way. They want to be by themselves because they know all they're going to get is get fussed at. A child that feels unloved and unwanted is a child headed for trouble later in life. So don't, don't make your, your household, your home, a hostile environment. They hate to get off the bus to come home because they know it's World War III in that house. Do I have somewhere to go after school? Then number six, separating love and rebuke. Say that with me, separating love, separating love. and rebuke. And now that is, listen to me, we love our children when they are good and withdraw our love when they are bad. We make them feel unloved when they do wrong and they can be uh, corrected, chastised, and rebuked, but all must be in love. When you have to chasten them, let it be in love. Sometimes you got to give tough love, but don't, you don't have to be angry about it. And say, you know, you're going to kill them and all that kind of stuff. Look what the Bible says, Hebrews 12 and, and 6 says. For when, when he punishes you, it proves that he loves you. See that? And when he whips you, it proves you are really his child. So when you do something, you do it in love and not in anger. Sometimes you get you too angry, don't even touch him. Because the more you touch them, the more angry you get. You should never chasten your children in anger. Hallelujah. Now, you know, we come up old school. When you, wherever you cut up, that's where they get you. But, you know, you got to be a little bit more, you know, cautious about that. But, you know, I, my, my mom, you know, when they start talking about that, you know, uh, children's right and everything, uh, it made my parents smarter. They said, all right, you, uh, they don't want me to whip you in public. That's okay. That's okay. I got you. And we be it was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, yay, we got right, yay. <laughs> but no, they ain't wait, they, they ain't wait, no. See, what, what they do? 
Yeah, you be cutting up down that aisle. Yeah, man, they're pulling stuff off the shelf. Yeah. And, and, and you know my mama, when she get ready to get, she put them teeth together. Y'all know them teeth now. Get over here. Don't let me have to come over there. Right now. Yeah, you look up at it and be like, get over here. Oh, yes, ma'am. Somebody stands right by me. Then I tell you, don't you cut up in the store. Don't be asking for nothing. Yeah, ma'am. She reach over and grab you right up under your arm. And twist it. And pinch you to no end. And when she, and man, once that pain hits you, she got the nerve to roll off with her buggy. And the people just looking at us over there just dancing. And ain't they coming out for a minute, then they come out, ah! And, they, and she looking to me, what's wrong with the baby? Come on over here. What's wrong with the baby? See, it doing make our parents smarter when they talk talking that stuff, you know? That made them smarter. That they can get you when nobody else really know what's going on with you. So it's best that you go ahead and obey from the beginning. Now, I'm not trying to tell y'all to do that, you know. But number seven is physical and verbal abuse. Say that with me, physical, physical. and verbal abuse. That's how you can just, you know, uh, make, you know, turn your children to rev. I mean, uh, yeah, provoke them to rev. And often we, we will overreact uh, to the things our children do and carry their punishment too far. And it is not wrong to use spanking, spanking but uh, no child should ever be spanked in anger. There are times when parents should say, will say, you know, harsh and cruel things to their children that they would never say to any other person. And we are, really, we, we, we're wrong when we um, attack our children, either physically or, or verbally. And when we do, we are causing them to be resentful and angry, and this is against the love in the family. And you know, that not only do uh, we do that with our children, but they've, they've, they've seen the model where we've done it to each other. Because what you do to your spouse, you do to your children. Hallelujah. So the scripture says here that the parents are to what? Bring them up. So this, this, this praise has the idea of nourishing them. Say that with me, nourishing. So we are to tend to them like we would a tender plant. We are to help them reach their fullest potential in the Lord. We are to help them be all they can be. And if we are to do this, then we are going to have to invest the one thing that most parents are not willing to give up. You don't know what that is? Time. 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 If your children are still young, give them the greatest gift of all. Give them you. Give them your time. One wise man told me years ago, say, if you don't have time for your children now, when you get older, they won't have time for you. You call them and say, hey, son, you know, let's, dad ain't got time. And some of the ways that we bring them up, here's some of the way we bring them up. 
Then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Number one, educate, educate our children. Say that with me, educate the children. So the word nurture has the idea of the whole education of the child. It refers to the daily uh, discipline of verbal instructions in the ways of life and the ways of the Lord. So we are to see to it that our children learn all that they need while they are under our care. And then when they leave the nest and enter the world, they will be prepared for the things they will face. So we have to educate them. Number two, we got to encourage them. Everybody say encourage. encourage. So the word encourage me to admonish, ammunition. It means counsel, encouragement, and discipline. Discipline. It refers to the act of guiding children toward maturity. There are times that when we must give them direction in life, there are times when we must give them encouragement, and there are times when we must give them discipline. All of these things are used by the wise parent in the right measure to help their children become the men and women of God designed them to be. And then we must evangelize our children. All of this nurture and ammunition is to be of the Lord. We are to build and train them in the word. Not our opinions. Our preferences or our prejudices we ought to train them to be in the word train them by the word and when we teach our children to believe like we do they will be as messed up as we are and when we train them in the word and the things of the lord they will grow up and and live lives that glorify and honor god so in all we do for our children, we give them no greater gift than when we point them to Jesus Christ. If our love, our discipline, our encouragement, and our instructions are centered in the word of God, we will more likely than not raise children that are in the will of God. Keep God the center of all you do as a parent. And then finally, Number three is the evaluation of love in the, in the family. Everybody say evaluation. evaluation. And as a way of learning how to nourish and express the love we feel for the members of our family, we might ask ourselves these questions. All right, here they are. Number one, the first question we may ask, do I really listen to each family member? Now you think, I want you to turn everybody else uh, out right now. I want, you to, uh, I want you to just hear the question and you answer them yourself. Do I really listen to each family member? To be truly listened to is to feel love. Do you listen in a place where they know that they loved? Right? Do I listen to friends, neighbors, and co-workers more relative than to the most important people in my life, the members of my family? Do the concern of my family receive as much of my attention as the concerns of others? Do I make time to listen to the members of my family regularly? Do I listen to each family member? That's the time you just got to sit down and say, okay, son, tell me about it. Sit down and say, all right, uh, daughter, I want to hear what you got to say about this. Not being ready to just give them, uh, you know, the solution or give them the answer to the question. Just sit down and listen. I'm going to give you my time. The second question, do I spend time with each family member? 
In other words, developing love, harmony, and unity in a family takes time. Do I, do I sit down and spend time with the family? Everybody is together. I'm the only one always missing. Everybody always together. The daddy is never there. Listen, you can only work but so much. All work and no play is not good for anybody. See, some of us have been taught work, 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 And you work so much until you can't even enjoy life, can't enjoy your family. They don't know you. Who are you? You're a stranger. And then you got to get upset when they don't come to you and ask you questions. They don't come to you because you're never there. Why would they ask you? They don't never ask me. That's because they've gotten a pattern of asking the other one because they're there. Number three, do I help each family member feel needed, feel useful and appreciated is a basic human need. You can help family members fulfill this need by giving them the opportunity to help us and then letting them know that we appreciate their help. Some people, that's all they need is just for you to show them that you appreciate them. Show your children that you appreciate your children. What's wrong with that? I don't want him to get your big head. His head already big. Look at yours. Appreciate the boy. You're always trying to correct him and, you know, rough him up. No. Show him that you appreciate him. Appreciate his efforts. Amen. And then number four, do you have the pure love of Christ or charity described in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8? I want to lead, read that. I'm going to close. It says, charity suffereth long and is kind. And if I just stop right there, in other words, we know what charity is. That's love, right? And when we say suffereth long, that means it has patience, right? Some of y'all, y'all patience is on a short fuse. It's just like that and you'll go off at the drop of a hat if you like that you need deliverance today because see you, you, you know what you're going to do you're going to cause yourself to have high blood pressure ain't nothing you ate ain't nothing you're doing you're just short fused you're just mean as a junkyard dog Why you, all this love that we get to go, God say He loved, and all this love, why you want to be mean? All right. So charity suffered long and is kind. Charity envieth not. You got to worry about other people. What God has for you is for you. Charity vaunted not itself. You don't have to pump yourself up. It's not puffed up. Right? Do not behave itself unseemly. You don't have to act like, you know, like, like that. You know, just be who God made you. Seeking not her own. It's not all about you. It's not easily provoked. 
You know, I don't care what they say about me. I know I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. You can talk about me all day long. You can say, well, look at him. Look at you. Think of no evil. Why are you thinking evil about people? When you think of evil, you're cursing. Rejoicing not in iniquity. Ha, 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 ha. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got into sin. That's good for you. But rejoice in the truth. Bear not all things, believe it all things. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hope all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. You can't go wrong when you become a lovable person. You can't go wrong. Now examine your relationship with each, with each member of your family in the light of this scripture that I just read. Commit yourself each morning in prayer to your Heavenly Father to use these principles in dealing with members of your family that day. Now, first, to the children, God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And in his time, he will make that plan known to you. In the meantime, you are encouraged to obey and honor your parents. They love and want the best for you. And get in line with them that do as they tell you because they have your interests at heart. And if you can't, you know, haven't been as obedient and respectful as you should have been, you might want to come to the altar and ask God for forgiveness and then go back and ask your parents for forgiveness too. Because it starts when you are ready to operate in forgiveness. And second, if you are a parent who has made some mistakes, and you might need to come and make that right. You might even need to go to your children and apologize. God intends the family to be a reflection of the loving relationship between him and us that is centered on Christ. And when you look at your family relationships in this light, it changes the way you should love and interact with others. Christ's love is not just the model, but the motivation. See, we can fix this. Say that with me. I can fix this. Say this. We can fix this. Why are you saying that, Bishop? I said I was closing, right? We, we, we can fix this. And how I know we can fix this, all we got to do is say, God, help me, and then commence to doing it. You actually can become a better person. You can become a better parent, a better grandparent. You can become a better husband, a better wife. You can become a better brother or a better sister. You can become a better son or a better daughter. You can become a better friend or acquaintance. You can become better in your life all the way around. All you got to do is make up your mind, set your will to do it, and it's done. It's done. I pray to God that you are ready to set your will today. You are ready to reset the love in your family. I don't care how good it is right now, but it can get better. I don't care how better it has gotten it can become best. Now we 
Where are you? Where are you? It is really time for us to get it right. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Sow, reap. Sow, reap. Today, what day is this? This is September the 12th, 2021. What have you been sowing up until now? See, some of us are sowing not even realize what we're sowing. We talk negative to everybody. We talk down to our spouse. We say negative things on our breath. We do things behind people's backs. Ladies and gentlemen, all that is sowing. All of that is sowing. So then you wonder why, why is this happening to me? Go back and check your sowing. From this day forward, I want you to check your sowing because you need to start sowing properly. See, your problem is not that, you know, we already know where the devil is. He's going to be the devil no matter what we do. But your problem is you haven't been sowing properly. Your change will be the day when you start sowing right. Not only do you reap what you sow, you reap as you sow. Not only do you reap as you sow, you reap more than you sow. Hallelujah. You say, oh man, you know, Junior, he a little bit better than me or he a little bit worse than me. You reap more than you sow. Amen. Junior going to try to ex ex excel and exceed you, whether it be good or whether it be bad. So it's your sowing today that you need to get together. Hallelujah. Some of you have been hurt by uh, relationships. Then you have daughters. Then you start giving her advice what not to let a man do. All because of you talking out of your hurt. But you didn't know that who she got connected to was a bundified man of God. And he's not going to treat her like this knucklehead you had treated you. So what you had to happen, you won't work with him because he already know how to treat her. So you just sit back and watch, see how he going to treat her and say, hey, I ain't got nothing to say because I don't want to give you no wrong advice and I'm going to mess up the relationship because I put my foot in it. Because if both of them come up in God the right way, he just married God's daughter. She just married God's son. And both of them, daddy is God. And their allegiance are to him. And I know they love you, mama. They love you, daddy. But their allegiance is not to you. It's to God. They're supposed to respect you and love you, but their allegiance are to God. And that's the way you push them. You push them toward God. And not towards you out of your hurt. 
and your pain. You got me? Got me? Amen. So we can change this. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going, listen, I've been trying to do best I can, but I'm going to change this stuff. I'm going to get better. I can speak that. Huh? Death and life can come out of your mouth. So I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak that I'm going to get better. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better pastor. I'm going to be a better brother. I'm going to be a better instructor, teacher. I'm going to be better in life. I'm going to be better in I give when I give advice. I'm going to be better counselor. You can start speaking it. I am going to get better in what I'm doing until I get to my best. Because I can do it. How you know that, Bishop? I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength to do it. See, our problem is we've been competing with the world and we want what the world, we think what the world says is good for us. The world don't always know what's good for us. God always know what's good for us. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me, hear my heart. Don't do things for people just to make them like you. No. No, don't do things for people to make them, well, nobody like me, nobody like me. And so you go into this deep depression. Now you're thinking about committing suicide. Listen. Listen to the word of God. When my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. God said, I'll always be there for you, son. I'll always be there for your daughter. See, the Bible will not let you sink down in your stupor your lowest point without giving you a hand to pull you up. You just got to get in that word so that that word can get in you. Heard somebody say, people want to hear a word from God, but they don't want to read God's word. They want you to prophesy unto them. Yay, 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 yay. Thus said the Lord. Yah, 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 yah. He said that to me. No. Go open your Bible and he'll tell you. Daughter, you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Huh? Let God's word get in you. And when somebody come and tell your word, all it did is just confirm what you read. Confirms what you read. 